welcome back to another episode of Protein Ramblings, and we're back. It's myself, Naomi. Hello. And Mark. Lightning strikes. Lightning strikes, <laughs> lightning strikes. And this isn't actually a Jace episode, uh, as you probably tell from the intro, because it's not the Jace music. We're back here with a face-off, but it is tangent... Well, it's not t- it's very Jace-related. Um, you may have heard us talking about it in earlier episodes. We're here doing a face-off between the two great plant nemesis of our time, <laughs> the Monster Mines and the Killer Tomatoes and Angry Cats. Yeah, the disclaimer, if you hear cat yowling in the background, it's because we're having to keep one of our cats inside and she hates us and everything in the universe. Yeah, so uh, one of our cats is being fed by some random stranger because of this. We can't let her outside anymore, which means that, yeah, we're going to have lots of cat noises in podcasts going forward until we put the cat EO in. I just have a thought, because you mentioned the great plant nemesis of our time. Whoever wins this, we should do a face-off against the Triffids. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's because uh, at the moment we're doing what uh, vegetables versus uh, space plants. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know what plant what that them? you would qualify. The monster mines. They're kind of. I mean, viney, tropical. Well, they flowers. were designed to. Well, we'll come on to what they were designed to do in our first category. So for those of you that haven't listened to our face-off episodes before, we score them in a, a UFC-style 10-point must system where each category is treated as a round in a fight. and The winner gets 10 points. The loser gets nine or less, depending on the severity of the beating in the round. This time round, we have seven categories for you. So we're going through seven different rounds. Without much further ado... We shall start off with round one, which is roots. Ding, ding. <laughs> we have an actual bell now. <laughs> yes. I oh, have. Yeah, you have a bell. <laughs> yeah, you can't hear it because I have because it comes through both your channel and the mixer channel for it. So I have to mute your channel while I play <laughs> the bell sound. But yes, we have a little ding, ding, ding bell. So yes, the first category is roots. This, Naomi did this, and I, I'll, commend her, I'll commend her on her pun activity here. Roots is in origins, you know, because plants. Um, <laughs> I think once you've explained the joke, it's no longer funny. <laughs> people are idiots. Sometimes you need to explain jokes. Okay, fair enough. Nice nice way to slam on the audience, but carry on. Wait a minute. Are we Have I accidentally come to the wrong episode? It's actually <laughs> Naomi versus Nero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Round one. Ding, ding, ding. No, that's just every episode. So... <laughs> Let's start off with uh, the Killer Tomatoes, their origin. We're focusing mainly on the cartoon here. Uh, we did watch the first film and some of the cartoon in part of research of this. Side note, first film, funny, but doesn't hold up as well as the second film or the cartoon, which actually is probably the best iteration of the Killer Tomatoes, I think. I think we were all in fair, fair agreement to that, yeah, although point, points do go to the second film for having George Clooney in it. <laughs> Launching his career. So starting with the Killer Tomatoes, the series, the cartoon, picks up five years after the Great Tomato War, which is what's depicted in the first film, which really doesn't have a concrete nemesis other than the tomatoes. Like, the tomatoes don't have a a, a parental villain. They're just tomatoes killing people. But by the second film and by the cartoon, they've introduced a uh, an angry scientist, uh, Dr. Putrid T. Gangrene, who is kind of continuing with tomato-based research in, in pursuits of world domination. So the the series picks up, let's say, five years after that war. Gangrene is engaging in experiments with the tomatoes, and tomatoes are illegal. And yeah, that's that's pretty much their origin. No one really knows what triggered the tomatoes to mutate. They only know that what stopped them was puberty love by Donny Osmond. <laughs> or, or, yeah. or Donny Osmond. Off. <laughs> yeah. Well, Definitely. actually, there's, there's actually, some spurious connection to the press secretary of the United States yeah, he was, in the films as well. He but figured it, out it how to manipulate them, hadn't he? But yeah. I, I think that was it. He just figured it out. He yeah, it was Puberty Love. Behind it, yeah. Um, interesting side note, the guy that sings Puberty Love in the first film is the drummer from Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. Again, launching his career. That, that was very surreal because it's a really weird parody song of just high-pitched wailing of... <laughs> It's a horrific sound. It really is. I mean, if it was a tomato, it made me die. If oh, it was a no. person, Sorry, it would probably make me die. That sentence did not scan. <laughs> if it was a tomato, it would make me die. But that's true also. <laughs> <laughs> if I was a tomato, it would make me die, is what I was trying to say. So yeah, that's that's their origin. I mean, 
like because they don't really have a detailed origin because I'm guessing the no budget for it. And the film was just wacky enough to get away with not having to really explain. Yeah, the and tomatoes. they probably didn't expect to, there to be three more films after that. I'm assuming so they weren't too worried about you know the the lore or the canon of this tomato B movie. Yeah, totally. I think the cartoon didn't, the cartoon relied heavily on Doctor Putrid Putrid T. Gangrene to really drive the kind of overarching plot of the. No, to give a concrete nemesis other than just tomatoes. Although I will say the, the his second in command, the Rusky Tomato, oh, is fucking fantastic. Yeah, Zoltan is fucking fantastic. <laughs> what about you, Mark? What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. The the it's all over the place. Basically, the beginnings of it, and and they can't even get away with explaining it in just the credits. That's the worst thing about it. Just <laughs> the credits usually is enough to explain the plot of a kids' cartoon. Yeah, totally. And it, and it doesn't. <laughs> Not in the slightest. No. <laughs> There's no origin, you're right. It's, yeah. I don't want to say they've lost already, <laughs> basically. But <laughs> it's not a great, chase, it's not a great yeah. story, though, is it? It's just one day there were tomatoes and they killed people. Yeah. There's yeah. not a lot to and work with. Some of the tomatoes talk, obviously, yeah. like Zoltan and the Gang of Five and everything, but there are just random tomatoes that kill people, too. Yeah. There's a lot of more variants of tomato in the later films and in the cartoon series, whereas in the original film, it is just, you know, budget. It's just giant tomatoes yeah. and small tomatoes and actual tomatoes. So I, d- I did mention this before we started, actually, and to get really meta on the roots to give them a fighting chance. Actually, the roots are quite good because the the original film, well, the second film was like supposed to satirize B-movie films, and that's the root of it. And actually, it does re- a really good job of satirizing B-movie films. Yeah. And then the cartoon does a great job of satirizing like 80s action and horror films. Every episode's like, you know, vampires, Frankenstein, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator and stuff. So actually like, it's not the roots of the bad guys, but the roots mm. of the actual show and the premise is really good. Yeah, totally. And I, I do agree that yes, the, the cartoon basically just kind of widens the scope for parody. And yeah. they look more at... Um, Things you know, like yeah, like you say, eight hey, the 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 zeitgeist of the moment. You can do yeah. a lot more with an animated series than you can with a film, can't you? A lot more. There's a lot more options for visual humor and and that kind of thing. So, especially yeah. if you're on but the writing, as very well, like the tongue tongue in cheek script yeah. stuff as well is good. Yeah, totally. I, I I would agree with that. Then we come on to the roots of the monster minds. Now, the monster minds. In the original toy line, we're given no real backstory, but we're focusing on the cartoon here. So, as is explained in the first episode of Jason the Wheel Warriors and kind of loosely in the opening credits, Audric, Jason's father, is a normal, rational scientist. <laughs> just <laughs> a debatable. Yeah. <laughs> who, who just doesn't like his child that much. Which is fair. He's currently, he's researching biotechnology to create a plant to end hunger across the universe. How one plant does this, it's never really explained, but that, that's his ultimate goal. And he, he does achieve this goal, but just at the mo- critical moment of success. He basically rolls a critical one. The nearby sun goes supernova, which creates radiation that mutates his plant and four others into the monster mines which are a race of plant-like monsters that can transform into vehicles and produce lots of other vehicles, and they want to immediately conquer conquer the universe. In fact, and I quote, Audric, as they are being birthed from their pods, un, we must flee, the monster minds are ruthless. (laughs) It's almost like he knew about a lot of this in advance. I don't know. Like it was a borderline. Are they going to be nutritious or malicious? Yeah, it's one or the other. (laughs) (laughs) I've run the numbers and I'm either going to solve universal hunger or doom life as we know it. But I'm willing to make that, you know, that flip of the... Aren't aren't all good scientists willing to make that that flip of the dice? (laughs) (laughs) What I was trying to say there. (laughs) That roll of the dice. It's the hallmark of a good scientist. You're willing to put the world at risk for your scientific it's achievements. It's certainly the hallmark of a good mad scientist. Like the uh, Wardrick and Gangreen are both very scientist. in the vein of Frankenstein, where they're like, look, I yeah. really want to do this one crazy thing and I don't really care how it affects other people. And also I'm going to leg it as soon as it goes wrong. Like we've drawn loads of parallels before with Frankenstein and actually a weird one. Maybe he knew the sun was going to go supernova, but like Frankenstein's monster, he thought it would be a good thing mm. when he did it. But actually, it ended up being a bad thing. And he's like, YOLO, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Fuck these monster minds. <laughs> They're evil. I mean, there's a lot, there's not a lot of 
sense that you can ascribe to Audric's actions throughout the series. So creating the Monster Minds is just another step in his kind of unexplainable existence. Clearly a man who just makes one poor decision after another. Where is Jace's mom? I know it's got nothing to do with the origins of the, <laughs> the Monster Minds, but it's something that bothers me. She's never mentioned at all. No. This is why I think Jace is a plant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or a genetic we, clone. Uh, They've got the same hair and everything. Yeah, yeah we have no know. proof that he isn't either of those things, do we? Yeah. I mean, he made, Audric made Flora, a plant-human hybrid, I want to say, mutant. So we have no evidence that Jace isn't just the same. Yeah. It's possible. Uh, yeah, definitely. So I think out of the two, the Monster Minds definitely have the more fleshed out backstory, even though it's not really that fleshed out. It's still a yeah. backstory of sorts. They have a, a confirmed origin. We know exactly what led to the creation of Sawboss and his underlings. Just to knock him down a peg, though, you know, because radiation... Oh, yeah, I mean... It's like <laughs> the 80s. Like, yeah. it, by then, this story has been done to death, and they're like, oh, radiation did it. Like, yeah. It's pretty lazy. It, it is the, the lazy man's writing of how do I create villain origin story, radiation check. In, in fact, it, it's how do I create villain or hero origin story, yeah, it's radiation check. catch-all thing. Like, look, you're a kid. You don't really know what radiation does. This is completely plausible to you. Yeah, it was right, because, I mean, when I was a kid, I thought radiation did fucking everything. Yeah, I was thought it was going to be a much bigger part of my life than it like, really was. Like quicksand. Yeah. Yeah, but radiation I hope quicksand. never to be holding a small plant that rapidly evolves into a plant fetus and then grows <laughs> to a muscular brain zoid type thing. I think we can with, all hope that. to the galaxy. With a xenomorph head. Yeah, yeah there's no good things, things happening there. And a cape, a built-in cape. <laughs> I mean, just on the built-in cape alone, I'm giving this to the monster minds, I think. <laughs> If you're born with a built-in cape, you win. One of those radioactive capes that, that they keep talking about. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not saying it's like an out-and-out... I'd say it's a 10-9. It's yeah. like, yeah. you know, they, they, they have a more of an origin story than the Tomatoes, but it's not like, you know, detailed, and it's not like, oh, you know, Sawboss was planning this for years, and he's a cunning... He was just opportunistic. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say 10-9 fair. Cool. 10-9. And then we move on to round... Two? Two. Yes, round two. Sorry, I get confused because <laughs> it is number three in the spreadsheet because of the header yeah, title. Yeah. And I'm always like, at the column that's, that's round number as well. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it was the last episode. I was like, eight category, no, seven, ah, shit. <laughs> so yes, round two, which is the leader. Um, now, we'll start with uh, the Monster Minds as we've already, we were talking about Sorbos and his magnificent radiation cape. Sorbos is the first monster mind that's created and he is immediately the leader. He's the buffest, so yeah. I think that's you know his natural dominance. He does have a smaller version of him because Sorbos's vehicle form is the big titular monster mind with the big blade as a weapon on the front. And he does have a smaller version of him because he has his generals, which are like the the master of each of their type of monster minds, so be it K.O. Cruiser, Terror Trooper, whatever. But he is basically a telepathic plant mutant who wants universal domination and can't handle a single loss in battle <laughs> without retreating. So he's taken over Audric's, Audric's technodrome, his, what was his like laboratory, as his base of operations, and he can teleport that by the power of the black light, which is never really explained, around the universe at will. Because quite often he'll teleport to a planet where Jace is and he's like, yes, I've got him now. And then Jace will throw a slight spanner in the work and he's like, I'm out. <laughs> I think it's a really useful piece of tech to have, to be honest. It must yeah. make ruling the universe a lot easier. There's some Art of War stuff in that, right? Retreat is sometimes the, the best attack or whatever yeah. it is. Um, what, discretion, the better part of Valor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. <exactly. laughs> he Western fights and runs away. <laughs> the saying that I was trying to say in the last episode and fucked up. <laughs> you know, the one thing that you say about Sawboss is he's got a vision and he's really intent on achieving that vision. But I think he's placing a lot of... I'd argue he's placing too much emphasis on stopping Jace and not enough on his galaxy conquest. Because if he just carried on with the galaxy conquest... Yeah, at the end of the day, this is a crew of, like, what? Four people and a really useless robot on a fish like if they're the only thing stopping you from universal domination your your plans need re-examining yeah totally like you say like i say he's he's not as good as he thinks he is delusions of grandeur yeah, yeah. i mean we'll talk about his highlights later but he has done a considerable amount of oh yeah to get really yeah. meta about it what is he doing off camera while jason <laughs> and the crew are sailing between two places but there's clearly a lot, lot of conquering yeah, worlds a lot yeah. of admin going on behind the scenes yeah yeah well, yeah, I guess it's not easy to run a galactic empire of plants. Definitely. And they spawn, and he can spawn 
just say about powers, he can spawn like multiple copies, not of himself, but of the monster minds, obviously. Like that's quite an impressive. Well, I mean, power if, if we look at what the tech that, that they've displayed throughout the um throughout the series that we've watched so far, they've got their drill vines, their shield vines, their monster mind satellites. So they're the cloning got, the capacity to clone people from yeah, so small they've parts got, of them. So he must have been doing something because they've got a decent amount of tech behind them and a lot of different resources. Yeah. And he's obviously, you know, he's made his name in there that, you know, all the scum and villainy of the universe want to do jobs for him. So maybe Sawboss is at a point where getting rid of Jace is just the last thing on his list. He's got everything else under control. Why not try and take mm. out that pesky teenager and his magic group? The man's definitely hit his uh, personal best on uh, lifting weights, though, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and dresses. He's ripped. And dresses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can't, he, like, he was born in those clothes and they're kind of attached to him. He but, doesn't it really, yeah. but it works. But it works, yeah. He, he's got a good, like, color palette of pale turquoise, purple, yeah, and... Yeah, uh, the, uh, the power of radiation. Pale turquoise and purple. Just, you know, the, the colors, the fashion. <laughs> All boons of the radiation. <laughs> And then we come on to the leader, I guess, of the Killer Tomatoes, although we'll come on to how, how much he, he stays that a bit later. But he's the main boss of the Killer Tomatoes and the main antagonist of the series, Dr. Gangrene, the air quote, angry scientist. Very opposed to being called a mad scientist. He's just angry. Just angry about everything. What was it he was noted for? Eating an entire lawnmower age six. <laughs> That's how, that's how he got into technology yeah. or something, right? Into yeah, that science. Was, that, was, that was into science. Was like, I guess if you could eat, a, eat an entire lawnmower at the age of six, it would inspire you to go, how the fuck did I do that? You'd made a great career in the freak shows in the Victorian era. Did An, another possible career plan for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it, probably a more sensible one than trying to take over the world with tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Now, he's done quite a, a lot of stuff throughout his career. Obviously, he created, in the second film, he creates the tomato that can turn into a girl. Oh, Tara. Tara, that's it. And there's also FT, the fluffy tomato dog type thing. <laughs> I love that in the cartoon. It's sort of like a failure, though. That was like a <laughs> yeah. uh, mutant and he threw it out. I, I love in the cartoon, gross. though, that this, this obvious fluffy tomato, everyone's like, what a cute dog. It just never fails to amuse me. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you look at the main adult in the cartoons, is Wilbur from the first film, the crazed uh, war veteran. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's not like, it's not hard to believe that he would believe that that is a dog. No, and I guess if tomatoes have been legally banned for a long time, maybe he just doesn't really remember what they look like. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. Who's to say what a tomato looks like? Can you tell me what a tomato looks like? Not a dog. Describe a tomato. Not a dog. It's <laughs> more than a dog. <laughs> it's not a dog. <laughs> I would also argue that he should be known as Dr. Jaundice because he's actually yellow. Yeah, that's mm. true. That's true. He, he definitely has some real liver disease vibes. Do you think this is his real name yeah. or is it like his stage name? Like when he set up on his career path as angry scientist world domination, was he like, I need a name that befits this? Because otherwise his parents chose to name him Putrid, which I think might explain a lot of things about him. No, that would be his surname, wouldn't it? Gangrene T. Putrid. No, it's Putrid T. Gangrene. Yeah. Oh, Putrid T. Gangrene. Oh, wow. Okay. What's T? Putrid Thomas. Tomato? Putrid Thomas Gangrene. Putrid Tomato Gangrene. No, Thomas. <laughs> okay. Trent. Tr Trent? <laughs> <laughs> Travis. Mm -hmm. Putrid Travis. I mean, that's that's an accurate description of the band, Travis, but uh, I digress. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of the leaders, I think Sorbos is a far more competent leader. Um, oh, yeah, he's no a question. lot less manic and crazy than Dr. Gangrene, because Dr. Gangrene has basically got a plethora of psychological disorders, ranging from ADHD, manic, uh, bipolar di bipolar disorder, um, probably some borderline in here as well. And a hell of a peaker condition. Yeah. Yes. And just on the basis of flat leader, Sorbos is literally always in control of his men. Yeah. He never has no without fail. Yeah, no one ever rebels against Sorbos. They will die for him. Yeah, and they do in droves. Yeah. As we'll yeah. as we'll come on to, they 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 die easily. Very easily. Arguably more easy than tomatoes, but we'll come on to But that. they're so replaceable that it almost doesn't really matter. Like you can afford yeah. to waste thousands and thousands of monster mines. The, 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 but Dr. Gangrene, you know, his his people are always talking back to him, talking shit. He's not know, respected. Like, he's, yeah. he's more him. he's more Cobra Commander than Hordak in the scheme on the scale of respected leaders. Yeah, definitely. And this is one of my problems with Sorbos actually, is because you know, he like I'm always saying he's no staying power in war. And like you were saying, he's got 
an infinite number of monster mines that he can throw at any one problem. He could take the Chinese approach to military, which is just keep sending things at them until they run out of bullets. And he never does. He, if with a little persistent effort, he could have killed Jace several times over by now if he'd have just not fucked off at the slightest hiccup in his plan. But maybe that means he values his troopers as well. You know, he could throw thousands and thousands of them at every problem, but he chooses not to. There's a limit to his gen- genocide, <laughs> <Yeah>. basically. <laughs> Self-genocide. Like, oh, well, that's yeah. enough for today. We've got a lot more planets to get to. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, Dr. Gangrene, he, he like, he's really erratic. His, 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 his like, generals, for want of a better word, Igor who in the car, like, you know, it's a great send-up of the typical, like, Frankenstein assistant Igor. He's supposed to be hunchbacked and drooling, and he's just like this, basically Johnny Bravo. Just this big yeah. He's a dude, dude bro from the yeah. valley. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> voiced by the guy that did Leonardo in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, so he's got that proper, like, cowabunga man, like, voice about him. It's, it's great. And then his other second-in-command is Zoltan, the, t- the Rusky Tomato, yeah. which is hilarious because it's blatantly Red Menace, communism, you know. <laughs> da, da, da. Although I did notice just in the first episode, like the first time you've seen Zoltan, he's got a Russian accent. And then later on in that same episode, when they're back at Gangreen's headquarters, he's American. Well, it seems like yeah. he just likes dressing up. Because, like I'm sure in the first scene that he's in, he still has an American accent. And it's just when they're out on their mission and he's wearing like the the Soviet cap and everything, that's when he's got the Russian accent. So I feel like... So that's, that's the running joke, basically, that instead of, instead of watching training videos when they were being made, they watched old films. So they like impersonating like uh, generic okay. old films. Uh, right, films. so yeah, they yeah. like watch so, Red Dawn. Yeah, possibly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad training video. They do take over a village for a period of time. Is that all they managed to do in Red Dawn? Just yeah, the I mean, they're, they're foiled by high school students, okay. effectively. Or college students, I forget. So it's like, I always assumed Red Dawn was a comedy, and then one day I did read the plot summary on Wikipedia, and I was like, actually, this is some really dark shit. It just sounds like it should be a comedy. Wolverine! I mean, yeah, it is. It, it, it's an unintentional comedy. But coming back to the leaders, I think, personally, I think Sorbos is, like, handily outclassing Gangrene at every opportunity. Yeah, I would go as far as to say this is a 10-8, because, like, you know, yeah. Sorbos has achieved so much more. He's a stalwart leader. Yeah for better or worse. He may not have the staying power that we want for war, but he still gets shit done. He's playing the long game. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I agree. Now, we come on to the nemeses of our respective villains. Bring so, the bell. Oh, yes. Sorry. Round four. <laughs> Yay. The nemeses. So, let's start off with Future T Gangrene, since we did Zorboss first last time, only fair. The Killer Tomato Task Force are the key nemeses for Dr. Gangrene in the cartoon series. The Killer Tomato Task Force is basically made up of veterans from the Great Tomato War depicted in the first film. Mainly Wilbur's kind of like the, the main... Yeah, I have Guy. vague memories of the 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 swimmer. The, is she the Russian swimmer in the film? I'm sure she's always up no, in the cartoon. It, it's a man who is. Oh, uh, uh, she's a gymnast. Yeah, but yeah. she's east of Eastern European descent and therefore drugged up and simple. I oh, think yeah. is the, it's the, <laughs> the one that the one that got me when we were watching the first film, like from the original Task Force in the film, is the master of disguise and like one of the oh first. Oh my god! He's, he's a black guy, and they have him dressed up as Hitler. <laughs> And when Wilbur first sees him, he's just like, it's Hitler, try again. <laughs> Jesus they Christ. Re- they reprise that in the second film when he dresses up as Gaddafi and exactly <laughs> the same thing happens. Wilbur jumps all over him. Oh my God. So yeah, I think the Kills Master Task Force, I mean, it's largely played for laughs. It's a very goofy cartoon. So I, they do achieve, we'll come on to it. We'll touch more on it in like, in a bit, but it's, they do, they do achieve victory eventually. It's never... It's implied, at least, that they yeah. do win. Yeah, I would say so. I, you know, it's, we've talked about it before with kids' cartoons that you kind of get this reset where at the end of each episode, the good guys have won, everyone's laughing, and then you move on to the next episode and you rinse and repeat. So I never extent, follow up on Audric's coordinates. Yeah, <laughs> to an extent, yeah. The, the Killer Tomato Task Force, definitely the implication is that in the end, they are always going to triumph. And from what I remember, you know, they always manage to thwart gangrene in some kooky way. Yeah, definitely. The second series, which I didn't watch as much of as I wanted to, actually is a progressive story. So it isn't as anthological as the first one. And they do. You're right. They actually do. Gangrene starts to win and they beat him and they beat him down by the end. So like they actually legitimately are a force to be reckoned with. (laughs) Yeah. 
yeah. despite being led by a flat earther, I have to say. <laughs> Wilbur at one point is like, there's a joke about calzone and pizza, and Wilbur's like, oh no, pizza's flat, just like the earth. <laughs> okay, we okay. definitely have to watch that. <laughs> it's a good job there was a couple of plucky teenagers and their tomato dog there to really save the day. Yeah, yeah, and the the other the other members of the Great Tomato, the, sorry, the Killer Tomato Task Force are kids and the mutant tomatoes, FT and Tara that mm. we mentioned earlier. So it's not like it's, you know, um, it's kind of a loose ensemble of mismatch misfits. It's not Earth's finest. No. But then it's, no, it's neither more... is the Lightning League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How dare you? <laughs> Perk Storm Sailor, he's always your man. <laughs> so coming on to the Lightning League, as those of you who've listened to our Jace episode will be, will be well aware by now, the Lightning League is made up of four primary members. Those would be, well, five, I suppose, if you count them. Those would be Jace, the son of Audric, wielder of one half of the magic root, which will magically beat Sorbos if it connects with the other half of the root. Never fucking explain. Gillian, the wizard who raised Audric and is now raising Jace and who created all the vehicles that they fight in um, and gifted Jace with the Ring of Light, which is the MacGuffin of nearly every episode, which was wielded by the original Lightning League, which is alluded to in the first episode and never brought up ever again. And then you have Flora, who is a plant girl. So she was genetically, she's a humanoid being that was created from plants by Audric, because I Uh, guess he was... Just what he was into, yeah. Strange crossover between the two episodes, because they can both, Flora can sense plants, and um, I've forgotten the girl's name. Tara. Tara can sense tomato. Yeah, yeah. I like the fact that you've got these kind of proxy versions of each other, XP versions of each other, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because Flora is very much Tara. Like, they're both plants in humanoid form that have powers of some description, so... Yeah. And then you've got Oon. Oon is, yes, the fifth member. Oon is also there. Oon is there. He's... Well, Brock is also there. Well, yeah. <laughs> Brock even, is even the FT. <laughs> Instead of a fuzzy tomato, you've got a flying fish that makes quacking noises. So FF. <laughs> <laughs> the and, FF uh, in the SS. And, and you've got Herc. <laughs> and Herc. Yeah, so Herc. So you've got Herc Storm Sailor, who is literally Han Solo. He is just Han Solo. He got roped into helping them with the promise of money, got bribed with a ton of gold that actually was lead, and now refuses to leave them because he's like, no, I, I will take you to your dad and your dad can fucking pay me, you irresponsible little shit. <laughs> but I mean, throughout the series, he he becomes a more, val- like he basically becomes a member of the Lightning League, even though if he won't, he won't really admit it. He's effectively Flora's dad, isn't he, at this point? Yeah, maybe older brother. Step uncle or something. Yeah, but not the bad kind of step uncle. <laughs> not, not, not your MAGA uncle. He's more your... He's more your ex-con uncle that's gone straight. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> definitely. Used to do a bit of smuggling, fell off the back of a truck, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 like if you were growing up in the 50s, you would have been a bootlegger in the uh, Prohibition era or something. Then you've got Oon, as we mentioned, who is, he was Audric's Eternal Squire. And what the Eternal Squires are is basically a sentient suit of, small, tiny sentient suit of armor. And they're bound to a master and they're, they're bound to serve that master. And Audric sends, at the beginning of the episode, Audric sends Oon to Jace with the magic route. And he's now bound to Jace until they get back to Audric. With his magic lance. With his magic lance, which is not magic. As we've discussed, it's basically... It's lucky. It's lucky. Mm. <laughs> kind of, sometimes. <laughs> when It's lucky when it's not wielded by Oon. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Um, it's it's just a con- it's a plot convenience, really. It's another MacGuffin. It more often is not. More often than not, is just a pole vault. Yeah. So when scoring this, I was thinking about the MacGuffins specifically because yeah. actually I want to give this round to the Tomatoes because they're both in- incompetent teams, but Jace's and um, Jason the Lightning League are always just relying on a MacGuffin of some sort. Yeah. Whereas the Tomato Task Force is actually just using their own wits and canniness. Yeah, and, that's and true. If the Lightning they actually League... do it themselves, yeah. they don't use MacGuffins. If the Lightning League's own skills and abilities fail them, they have the magic ring as a, like an automatic fallback. It's like an immediate failsafe, isn't it? If something goes wrong. Yeah, yeah very Whereas much so. the Killer Tomato Task Force... And we all Force... know that like Battle, battle yeah. Plan A always, 99% of the time, works <laughs> for the Lightning League. And, and when it does... Because it's always the same threat they're fighting, but in the Killer Tomato Task Force, they're fighting like, you know a primordial tomato, a Frankenstein tomato. Yeah, it's Big just tomatoes, different types tomatoes, though. Yeah, yeah. different mm. yeah. green tomatoes, fried green tomatoes. So they're able to they they're able to flex and have variety in Yeah, they they if, rely on their own wits, which as we've discussed are 
you know, not maybe the greatest. So in some ways that makes him more impressive. Like if you've got a flat earther as one of your key acting in charge, figures, yeah, but he, you still win, then you're doing something right. And, you know, like Jace wins not more often than not, like you say, not through any particular skill set or cunning on his part, but just by pure happenstance. Yeah, I feel like sometimes yeah. Jace triumphs like against himself, you know, it's like because he he's reckless and he doesn't think things through and he's very kind of gung-ho about what he wants all the time. And so sometimes he wins in spite of himself. And he's got more Definitely. he's got more daddy issues than a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was supposed to be more like, a prostitute with but just a prostitute. No, just in yeah. any prostitute. Just, just any, you know, just more daddy issues than a prostitute. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to any of our prostitute listeners. <laughs> but you know I'm right. <laughs> Alienating um, the sex worker audience. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would actually tend to agree. The, the Lightning League, even if they're relying on Gillian, he is a, Mago- a walking MacGuffin. Jace locks into wins, whereas the Spartan Task Force have to really work for every victory they get because they're working yeah. against their own incompetence, whereas Jace has got all the MacGuffins to make up for his inadequacies. And, you know, like, Gillian is quite wantonly like, oh, you know, we'll sacrifice this child. And <laughs> Yeah, I'm a pacifist, but here's the murder hurricanes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think, I think this has to go to... The, the Killer Tomato Task Force and therefore the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah, so I think this is um, a 10-9 though because yeah, like they're not infinitesimally better. We're just giving them extra points because they have less resources yeah, to rely on them. they have less to work yeah. with and yeah. they try harder. Yeah, I would argue that Jace barely tries. He doesn't really need to, does he? Because no. the, the ring will pick up the slack. After Nemesis, we'll follow up with the weaknesses of each of the respective villain entities looking at the monster mines first obviously as we've mentioned here the magic route is the big crux weakness to Sorbos because if Jace ever manages to get to his dad and unite the magic route then that's instant game over for Sorbos it's never really explained how that's sure, instant game over but I'm sure is. we've probably discussed this in the Jace episodes but if Jace's dad had both halves of the route with him there and then in the moment, why didn't he fucking mash them together then? Yeah. Like, I feel like it's, it wouldn't be instantaneous. That. I think it's some kind of like tomato-eating route or something, you know, like, <laughs> not tomato, sorry. Oh, I'm crossing, crossing <laughs> germs here. Like it's, some gr- kind of, it's some kind of vine, vine strangling vine or something. Or it's going to like worse. make a giant aphid or something. Maybe. Yeah, well, um, it's a route. Maybe they have to you combine them and do some scientific process to create like the most bastardized weed killer of all time. I wouldn't let Audric do any more science if I were remotely involved in this. So yeah, that's what I imagine is it, it, the two things combined with some maybe bleach or some kind of detergent <laughs> is just going to create a, a, a weed killer that they're going to go around and spray the universe with. And it'll be like putting salt on a slug and saw boss will just wither up. Be hilarious if that was like the last missing final episode. Like that's the big bad weakness, but there's so many weaknesses, so many little weaknesses. Like my favorite from the last episode of uh, Jace was, that we did together yeah. was canyons. Canyons yeah. <laughs> are the weakness of monster minds. As we saw, they got taken out by budgies. Horses in one early episode, I think. Oh yeah, horse yeah horses. Uh, Foot races. Yeah, small rocks. Yep, small rocks. So what did the the when the the Shire folk do? The Aussie Shire folk on the mushrooms. Oh, they just kind of flew in on dandelions, didn't they? I, I didn't see them actually doing anything proactive. So, kicking off of yeah. so surprise as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've, they, we've, we've, we've said but, this before in the episodes, but they're flimsily put together. Yeah, but they are. will. They can dri- drive through and be covered in molten gold vases and continue to run <laughs> fine. They also drove through radiation at some point, didn't they? Like the radiation falls episode. No, I, I'd imagine that doesn't matter because they are in essence radioactive already. That's yeah. True. So maybe they create. Maybe that's also Boss's long-term plan. Is that he's actually giving everyone cancer? Giving everyone cancer. (laughs) (laughs) They've just got long-term radiation sickness, which is why they're so slow and they fall over easily. This planet will be mine. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the monster mind, like Sawboss himself, seems fairly resilient. And the only thing that really seems to failing at a battle, he fucks off as we, you know, no staying power. But in terms of his actual like physical presence, nothing really seems to threaten him that much, apart from the one episode where he you know the the test of courage future thing where mm. he saw boss tp's there and jace just uses the ring and it creates bright, bright light. light basically <laughs> yeah, yeah so exactly is, is saw boss just a mogwai <laughs> bright night bright night 
I oh thought it was God, feeding yeah. them after midnight. Well, no, they're weak to bright light. You oh, feed okay. them after midnight and they produce monsters. Okay, lines. we should definitely watch the films. <laughs> I'm getting very confused. Sawboss by himself is pretty hardy, but the monster mines as a whole are fucking terrible. Like, yeah. literally, you could go into battle with a piece of paper and come out the other side fine. The tomatoes, however, so two weaknesses that we know from the media are, as we mentioned earlier, Donny Osmond's Puberty Love, the fictional song created in the film, and African tomato worms. Now, I don't know much about the African tomato worms. Yeah. What did you find out in your research? Um, that they are a thing. That that was kind of it. It's just it's mentioned in the Wikipedia page that they can be defeated by African tomato worms. I'm going to assume this comes up series. in the second season. Yeah. yeah, the second series, because it has like a, a story arc, it, it does kind of go around uh, around the world as well. It's almost a bit like Where's Come in San Diego. That's right. They're, trying like, to, like a, they're constantly trying to go somewhere to find the there cure. There are like six lead tomatoes, aren't there, that kind of all rule different yeah. regions of the world, I seem to remember. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's it. But like, presumably, they're very effective. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. won't assume. And the other, the other, I mean, it's not really a weakness for the killer tomatoes themselves, but Tara, the one that can turn into human form, if she's like covered in salt, she turn, reverts back to being a tomato and has to be given pepper to sneeze to turn back into a human. Yeah. And, and it's not really, that's more a weakness on the good guy side because she's not one of the, the killer tomatoes. She's yeah, just, yeah, it yeah, doesn't seem to be a problem for any of the others, does it? No. There's an episode where there's an Elvis Presley type clone that's also a tomato that's winning like it's it's conquering the world by hypnotizing them with uh -huh -huh skills <laughs> basically by being Elvis right and that they they use salt to fix that in fact they use super soakers filled with salty water <laughs> brilliant to, to turn them back and that goes back that goes back to the ingenuity of the tomato task force yeah. Like, yeah. adopted that and overcome yeah yeah I think when it comes to the tomatoes, I mean, like they're also they are also vulnerable to standard things that would fuck up a tomato, like squishing them and you know cooking them. <laughs> That's not a technique you Flushing see anybody try. Yeah, <laughs> show them a pizza base; they'll run a mile. Well, like the main guy carries a saber, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, Wilbur. So you know, saber will kill a tomato. Yeah, yeah. so just go go to war with a pizza cutter; you'll be fine. Yeah, any kind of sharp weapon, you should like, be safe. A paring knife. This is this weakness isn't actually mentioned on, on the notes actually, but one weakness they have is like I've oh I'm about to say diversity is their weakness, which is disgusting. Because <laughs> like the monster minds are all like ubiquitously the same, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, always yeah. one of five or six things. But the the tomatoes, one of their weird weaknesses is that they can have a personality like Tara. There are other the boss tomatoes and Zoltan and his crew mm. yeah. have personalities. Which means they can contradict each other. <laughs> yeah, and they can contradict gangrene as well, weirdly. Yeah. So. Which we do come on to uh, in a later round. So I can't believe I'm saying individuality is a weakness. <laughs> <laughs> On paper, the tomatoes have fewer weaknesses. Yes. Because, I think so, yeah. Uh, because everything is a weakness to the monster mines. Yeah, like existence destroys monster mines. Yeah, like blue light, alpha rays, they, that's, that's yeah. another weakness. <laughs> yes, yeah. So a red dwarf star, like just general random actual phenomena. Every episode you can think of something is There's always something right. different. Thank God yeah. that they are kind of infinitely respawnable for Sorbos. Can you imagine if he'd only ever had 10 of them? But he would not have conquered. Not the, he would not have planet. conquered the world. Yeah. Definitely not. So yeah, I think for this one we have to give it to the killer tomatoes because they're just they they they're not as shit as the monster mines. Yeah, yeah. A tomato is more resilient than a a radioactive, radioactive space <laughs> sentient space plant. I mean, for all we know, the tomatoes are radioactive sentient space plants, as we've as we mentioned in the origin. There's it's never really no proof as that they're not. Yeah. They could have come from space. A lot of B-movie things come from space, don't they? I mean, I'm actually going to give this a 10-8 to the tomatoes. I, think, it, I was about to say, it has to be. so shit. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. They literally, they're cars and they can be outrun by somebody on foot. Uh, not I just mean, anybody, an old wizard. Like, a <laughs> yeah. wizened old wizard can outrun them on foot. That is... Uh, like, I mean, uh, there was the one episode where Jace is tiny and he just pulls one root out from underneath one and it fo its wheels fall off yeah, and, it just fall off. <laughs> and it just becomes sad and depressed. <laughs> it's like it castrated him. And it's like, Jace is like, I'll pluck your bollock off and your wheels will fall off and you'll be sad for the rest of I your mean, life. I mean, in fairness, I think if you, you know, anybody who had their bollock plucked off would be sad and depressed for the rest of their lives. Kazu's really happy. Well, that's because he had both removed. I think that's the key. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that I think, as we go, weaknesses, the monster mines are just weak to everything. They're like the space plant equivalent of Bubble Boy. 
<laughs> we come on to round five, uh, which is environmental impact. Love so, it. I love this category. <laughs> so explain, because obviously Naomi came up with the categories for this. Explain. Well, it's, explain. there's a lot of environmental jokes to be made when you're discussing giant radioactive space plants and giant killer tomatoes, I felt. And they, and they do have an environmental impact like on, on both sides. So, you know, with the monster mines, Sawbus has taken over like the known universe. Everywhere Jace goes, there is monster mines. They're either conquering something or they've already conquered it and left it behind, wrecked. There are areas of space that are just breathed in these giant vines. And the killer tomatoes, the environmental impact is they're killer tomatoes. They are things from the environment that are now murdering people and eventually have to be banned and made illegal. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Sorbos, let's 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 examine Sorbos in a bit more detail, or the monster mines in a little bit more detail here. When they tend to take over a planet, like as we'll take the episode where um the one where they create a black hole as an example, they find <laughs> they find this this entire galaxy which has been overrun by monster mind vines. And they're interweaving from planet to planet and they're slowly pulling the each planet closer and closer because the whole conceit of that episode is that they notice they X amount of mass away from it forming a black hole so they shoot an asteroid into it and it's unfortunately got a hick minor on it. And yeah, anyway, go back and watch episode part three of our, our, walk, our walkthrough. I'll watch along for that. But... Yeah, so they they de- generally leave quite devastation. Like it seems like they conquer, they get mass vines, and then strip of resources and fuck off. Yeah, that's quite often the aim in the episodes, isn't it? They've come to a particular planet because they need something there. So it's not mm. like they're conquering and Ruling. colonizing. I don't think there's not a lot of evidence of that. It's like they they come to these planets because there's something there that Sorbos specifically needs, and then they just wreck shit and move on. I mean, Wasn't there like a quote from one of the episodes we watched in the last five episodes where Sorbus is like, everyone needs to know the desolation yeah. that yeah. only plant life <laughs> yeah. will, yeah, will bring about or something? Yeah, it's the episode where he's monologuing and stroking his vines. <laughs> yeah, and they it goes to that, like we were talking about, they, they go to that fertilizer planet to steal all the fertilizers so they can even more increase their yeah. ability to spread. Yeah, the, and there's the the Mirren Tika episode where they go to want to steal the weapons so they can use the weapons that those people have to inflict more damage. Yeah, so it's kind there's of your... no there's no like building stable ecosystems or ruling over. He just wants mm. to wipe out everything yeah. and have it's the galaxy. But it's such classic, a confusing um, message. <laughs> it's always kind of your classic colonizing or invading alien message, isn't it? Like they're just coming to Earth because they want to use our resources so they can go and conquer better planets. Yeah. But it's like magic and technology versus plants. Yeah. But plants are the bad guys. Like it's yeah. like like the environmental impact of, of replacing l- like humanoid life on a planet in place of plants to me doesn't sound too terrible. No. This is the anti-vegan show. That's what <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's what Jace is. <laughs> or Sawbus will get you. <laughs> yeah. You need to eat meat and kill plants. Yeah, so, yeah, Sobos, obviously, he uses a lot of different technology to accomplish this, as we mentioned before. He's got his drill vines. Now, to explain more what they are, they're basically drill, like, so if you think the the, the capsules that are sent up from the Technodrome in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the, like, capsules with the big drill on the front, they're basically a missile form of that that contains little seeds of monster mine vines they're shot down onto a planet and as soon as they touch, they drill into the soil and the, the vines start gestating and growing rapidly. And they those vines then flower and spawn the actual monster mine vehicles themselves. You also have that they're able to drill into the hull of a ship and start expanding so they don't necessarily need the soil uh, because uh, multiple times the, the pride of the skies too has come under attack from drill vines that have started to spread without the ship and there's obviously no fucking soil on the ship although there is a giant swimming pool <laughs> that's their water room sorry <laughs> it's not a swimming pool it's the water room other than that as we mentioned he's got the satellites and uh, he's got the shield vines he's got a plethora of giant spiders to hand as well yeah that's got to be affecting some local ecosystems right he just keeps plucking these giant spiders from their home world and dropping them off on other planets well to be fair the second giant spider was already on its planet I think his environmental impact is quite devastating because it's galaxy wide right it's not confined to a single planet he's devastated ecosystems of entire galaxies and spanning across the entire universe whichever universe 
Jace is set in, the fictional universe that it's set in. Whereas we come on to the environmental... In- environmental? Environmental. Environmental. Get your environmental. <laughs> environmental. It sounds like something out of the Killer Tomatoes episode, actually. So the environmental impact straight off the bat by the Killer Tomatoes is tomatoes are banned. You're not allowed to grow them. You're not allowed to eat them. That's going to affect a lot of things down the line. Like, what are they putting on those pizzas that Wilbur makes? Peanut butter and Oh, onion. my God. Yeah. yeah, anchovies and marshmallows. Yeah. So that the pasta industry is going to suffer. Oh, yeah, my I mean, God. Italy. Can you imagine the Italy's economy of Italy is just going to tank? Yeah. And where, I, I mean, I, This is really nerdy. I did a tiny bit of Googling, and there's like 60 to $70 billion worth of trade in tomatoes <laughs> and like the massive tomatoes. You know what I mean? Like, what can you replace? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like Heinz would probably go fucking under. Yeah, no ketchup anymore. Imagine or catsup. Or catsup. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Italy and Turkey would go down. That's where yeah, like, Italy, most Turkey, tomatoes come from. Um, uh, USA I, probably yeah, as well. Isn't yeah. the, don't a lot of tomatoes come from the Netherlands? Maybe. I'm sure tomatoes come from the Netherlands because I remember picking them up in probably Tesco's like and it was like tomatoes. grown in the Netherlands. Yeah, that's true. Tomatoes oh, they love doing everything in greenhouses, right? So. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the, the, just the economic impact of, bear in mind it's confined to a single planet, uh, but the economic impact of, of a known civilization because it's ours, so we can really measure it, is quite substantial. Yeah. I also think like, you know, these... These tomatoes have proved that they can kill humans. Humans are no longer Earth's apex predator. If that's significant. That's not really oh, open the case before. That's weirdly almost like a positive environmental <laughs> impact. Environmental. I can't say it Environmental. That's almost like a positive thing because in the film, they kill like, you know, they take down like seven or eight of the major metropolises yeah, they do. in the yeah, US yeah, yeah. at least. Like, is that, and is we that also, not a good um, thing? assume that it's a worldwide thing, right? It's not just an American... Yeah, oh, it is, yeah, because in the second series, they go around the yeah. world and it's everywhere's affected by it. So mm-hmm. like, by reducing the headcount <laughs> of humans on the world, have they not <laughs> actually done us a favour? Well, yeah, I think you, you have to have that discussion, don't you? The helping yeah. with overpopulation. <laughs> Are we pro-killer tomatoes now? <laughs> yeah, I'm always like, oh God, does this mean they win the round or lose the round? Gangrene they was actually right. have, a, have a positive effect on the environment. <laughs> I actually environment. don't know how you'd rate this one. I don't know if we're saying the ones with the like most uh, devastating bad. impact. Bad or... Yeah, so the most devastating, <laughs> I think the most devastating yeah. impact wins. I think so... that you have to give it to the Monster Minds just because of you know, it's the universe. The yeah, yeah. They, they, they've not just fucked up one world, they fucked up several. You know, I mean, the, the, arg- the argument is that we can measure the tomato impact more readily because it's something real that exists in our world, so we can hypothesize how it would affect our world, mm-hmm. whereas Jace is complete fantasy and fiction because killer tomatoes could actually happen, don't you know? Well, I mean, I mean it, he's use... literally, you gave the example earlier, he has literally impacted entire environments yeah. because the mass <laughs> needed to create a black hole yeah. in planets. <laughs> you know, normally it's a couple of a sun or something, yeah. but in planets, bring them together. That's a lot of planets. A planet's in one asteroid. Well, I think to, to bring yeah. in the uh, the Triffids again, if you, if you have a look at what happened in, in Day of the Triffids, that's maybe comparable to what happened on Earth if the monster mines were contained to one planet. Because, you know, the society mm. collapsed very quickly in Day of the Triffids. Yeah, that's true. So I think, yeah, definitely, the monster mines have had uh, a much more I, I mean they've had more t- well I was going to say they've had more time to wreak devastation but we, we don't, don't know, know. <laughs> <laughs> like we, you just Let's assume it's been five years though yeah, five okay. years the five tomatoes years, right? they, they did beat humanity down but humanity bounced back five years monster mines he's spread throughout the known universe destroyed yeah. various planets etc like it's got to be monster mines yeah this me. is a bit of a beating yeah I, I think so yeah. and are we, what were we saying 10 10 8 I don't know. I mean, taking over the world is not a small accomplishment. Yeah, I, you know? like, I mean, if we look yeah, at... I'd say 10-9. That'd be a generous. If it, it, I guess you could extrapolate that if the tomatoes had intergalactic capabilities, they hmm. may have been able to accomplish something similar. Because, they, you know, if you look at the sp- how, like, the time span of the first film and how quickly they decimate society in the first film, that's like a yeah. week. Yeah, they t- they basically fuck up a planet in a week, so that's pretty good. Yeah, if you, exactly. Like, Spacefaring technology already existed in the Monster Minds universe yeah. as well, so like you can't expect Tomatoes to be, you know, creating and, and the plant, start from scratch. The plants instantly knew how to use it as well mm. and manufacture yeah. it, which that's, I think again suggests that Audric maybe knows more than he's letting on about all of this. Audric just didn't want to go home. And he just he, he was, was the only destroy the universe and spend time with his like, son. How 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 do I get out of going home? I can't think of a way to fuck it destroy the universe. Mutant plants. Mutant plants will save me from my child. Maybe what? Flora was originally a distraction, but she didn't come out old enough and therefore it was therefore it was a fail. So he's like, okay, I can't create a woman for my son. I'll create a nemesis to keep him <laughs> occupied instead. That's the next best thing. <laughs> 
hey, we just like, take him to a prostitute like a normal father. The relationship between a nemesis and a lover are very similar. <laughs> I guess. There's a lot of foreplay and back and to and fro, I think, you know. I think in some way you're my nemesis. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just go back to the start. It's actually near a vestibule in this episode. <laughs> That, that's a face-off. But who has the worst we'll environmental impact out of the two of you? Come on. Um, you, you buy a lot more plastic than I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah who uh, generates more methane? Me at the moment, yeah. yeah. Post, <laughs> post-eating disorder treatment? Definitely, definitely me. <laughs> what a lovely segue into career highs. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're coming on to, so coming on to round six. We have career highlights. So as we mentioned with Sorbosis, Honkered most of the known universe. We don't really know how much, but we know it's several galaxies. It's like I said before, everywhere the Lightning League goes, the monster mines have pretty much already been there or yeah. are arriving to do shit. So, yeah, yeah, with the exception of like some special kind of planets that have, you know, like something that repels monster mines and built into their ecosystem, then yeah, yeah. you can pretty much. But even all of them know about him. They oh yeah, all yeah, know yeah. his name. Except the people on Mirin, the Mirin planet, because they immediately trusted him when he showed up and said the the unscrupulous Lightning League. <laughs> so, but then they did have one of like that episode made no sense because they had one of their pe- people captured the Nitra, the rocket scientist. So he'd obviously been to that planet because he captured her. But he so, may not have shown himself. Yeah, that's true. No, oh. she was a rocket scientist, actually, if you remember. So yeah. he might have caught her off testing rockets. That's true. And actually, weirdly, really that's another career high. He developed some kind of rocket fuel. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was I faster mean, than any other rocket. Well, I mean, if we look at all the technology that he's developed, he's developed the drill vines, he's mastered teleportation, but they've got cloning, he's made cloning. mastered cloning, he's got a really good cape. <laughs> That's a technology that's very important to master if you're a supervillain. I, 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 capes go a long way for supervillains. First thing you've got to do, yeah. get the costume right. Otherwise, who's going to respect you? And he was born with the costume, so you know, win. Yeah, I get. I, like he's he's done a lot, and in like if we're going to ascribe a part, like you say, ascribe in some five time times, frame. five five times, five times. He's done it in five times. <laughs> five well, has years. He, he's done it in five times. He's done it in five years at least, uh, or some extrapolated amount of time. Now, if we come on to the tomatoes, they conquered the world because I think is it, is it by second the season two that yeah, they have actually two, conquered the entire world the like as yeah. Mark said the ongoing arc is that they have taken over the world yeah and it's and they did it in the film too as well yeah, so yeah they, they, they did but, well uh, like conquered is a bit of a you know it's <laughs> almost like like America conquered Vietnam like <laughs> yeah you know, there was still a guerrilla war going on that actually really you know they declared victory but yeah a few years later Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also Still no victory. by like by conquered, it's like I mean, if you look at the film interpretation of it, it's not like that they they they're now in a ruling party. What they've done is just decimate society. Yeah, it's not so much that they've conquered as a, much as that they have ruined. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Whereas, like, yes, yeah, Sorbos, you can say the same that he has ruined things, but he's also you know he's look at the the vase of jung episode he's in charge of that civilization that's based on bases well and also sorbos's stated aim is domination right is universal domination um which i don't i mean if we're looking at the animated series for the tomatoes gangrene's aim is it world domination or is it just yeah it is world domination he, he clearly states no he clearly states he wants yeah. to dominate the world with tomatoes As you yeah, do, yeah. yeah and then later on zoltan um is his thing is you know I, I don't know. Is Zoltan more just justice for the tomatoes? Is he like a tomato for like a tomato? fighter? Is he the tomato Martin Luther King? <laughs> no, he's Starscream. Yeah. Because <laughs> he yeah. hates his boss. Yeah. He, and yeah. takes over briefly and then mm. regrets it and everything. Yeah. I, I actually, no, I think he's more, um, in terms of bosses taking over, he's more the, um, he's more kind of like a little bit of. Is he the Serpentor? He, the well, I was going to say he's a little bit of Serpentor and a little bit of. Yeah. Um, was he Sil- created to be the perfect tomato S- using Sil- the silver face Destro. The DNA of, yeah. of past tomato leaders. Oh, there's probably some puns in there if I was quick witted enough. To, but... <laughs> Let's just pretend you did them. Yeah. Hey, puns. <laughs> so yeah, the career highlights, I think I to be honest, given their respective spheres of influence, I'm almost tempted to say this is a draw. I think so. Because you know, because yeah. so, the tomatoes aren't trying to conquer the universe and they don't have the capacity to conquer the universe. It's not a space-faring universe. Within their sphere of influence, they've conquered everything they can. Uh, likewise, you know, 
he's not conquered the entire universe, but he's conquered large swathes of it. So if you were looking for completion of Sphere of Influence, I'd lean towards the Tomatoes, but because of yeah. the scale of Sorbos, I... There's I'd, pockets of resistance and mm, rebellion in both Yeah, as well, yeah, so. definitely. So yeah. I think I think they were kind of on, within, like you say, their respective yeah. environments that all, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to keep repeating the phrase sphere of influence, in but I can't think of a, yeah. a better... In thing. terms of their stated goals, they have both pretty much done what they set out to do. Although Sorbos has not ended Jace. No, but I, I assume he will, because yeah. that's how the series so, will end. Call this one a 10-10? Yeah. Yeah. It's close. Because the scale of it is hard to think that the Monster Minds would lose this in a way, but mm. yeah, uh, I'll exceed. I'll make the joke that I always do when we get a draw. It's almost cowboy time. Stad joke 101. And then we come on to the final round. Round number seven, career lowlights. So let's start with the tomatoes here, because I feel we've got a lot more to unpack when it comes to to Sorbos. So the one that you picked out in particular was being defeated by African tomato worms. Yeah, I I mean, I think... If you are any kind of sentient being and you get defeated by worms, that's pretty bad. They're worms. I'd also argue being defeated by puberty love is pretty high up there. Agreed. And and probably being, you know, coming from the point of having conquered, question mark, the world, and then being defeated in any capacity, that's a pretty big low. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's actually a tribe of worms as well, just to put out there. that They're actually like sort of primitive and everything. So like they're not, they're a simple, simple worm folk that have conquered them. Yeah, that's got to be pretty depressing. And I guess as well, like it's not necessarily a low light of the tomatoes as a whole, but obviously their one-time leader, Gangrene, is ousted by Zoltan. Yes, and then he turns on them, doesn't uh, yeah. he? He joins the task force. Yeah, so he actually becomes a good guy and fights back against Zoltan. So that's kind of an undoing of the tomatoes in general. Is like they turned an asset into a, an, an enemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's the same as, you know, in America constantly bombing the Middle East, just creating... It's like them. in the G.I. Joe film where Cobra Commander <laughs> helped the Joes take out Serpentor. We should watch it. It's great. He turns into a snake. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's the G.I. Joe film, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, the cartoon. Not not the... Not the real life real films. Life, the no, real life the... films. The live action films. <laughs> G.I. Joe real life films. Because <laughs> it's real. It's all real. We're talking about the bad guys. I just feel so bad about them actually thinking about it episodically that they just get beaten by this inept team. You know, a guy who always has his parachute attached but never actually uses it as a parachute and always runs along. The one point... One time he does try and jump out a plane, the parachute gets caught in the plane and someone cuts the cables instead of the thing attaching him to the plane. So he falls <laughs> without his parachute. And it's like that guy, a flat earther, yeah. a guy who always wears scuba gear, a, a Russian... Child. Yeah, a child, a Russian woman who eats steroids. A literal is, is cereal. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, and a master of disguise that disguise himself as inane shit. Like, yes. that is... <laughs> It's quite a low point. Uh, like the one, time the, master, the one time the master of disguise disguised himself as a tomato in the first film, he sat there eating with the tomatoes and then asks for ketchup. <laughs> we got so to train good. him on the disguise bit, but that was all we had time for. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, just like you said in the last episode of Jay's, there, there comes a point where you start rooting for the bad guys. You're like, no, come on, you can do it this time. It's I believe. win. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously the, the main low light of Sorbos is not being able to defeat Jace. Yeah, it seems to be the it's like I say, it's like the last thing. Or capture order. Yeah, he can't do either of the two key things. It's like he's either got to defeat because, like, if he captures Audric and destroys that one half of the route, then he doesn't need to worry about Jace. Jace becomes a non-threat at that point. The most he can do is launch little skirmish attacks, which we've already seen. Sawboss can kind of deal with the losses and just carry on trucking. It's just that overarching fear of the route that's driving That's true. Him. He probably is actually trying to do both and both ends because actually Audric is always moving on because yeah. the, the Monster Wines are getting close to him as well. So like he's fighting a battle on two fronts, I guess, as well. He's Germany in the Second World War. Yeah. Chase, is his Eastern Front. No, I'd argue Audric is the Eastern Front. No, I think Audric is the Eastern Front because Audric's always retreating yes. and running yeah, away true. and yeah. setting yeah. home alone like traps. <laughs> <laughs> And I think as well, Aud- Aud- not Audric, sorry, Sawboss as well. It's so sad because he loves traps. Like he clearly yeah. loves setting up a trap and they just always fail. And then the one one time we've seen where he gets close to Audric, he loses to a trap. 
<laughs> Actually, like one that. episode is is a real like heartstrings moment for me, where Audric <laughs> fa- he he not only saw Sawboss doesn't capture Audric, but then he also doesn't capture Jace with a trap that was quite in- with his biggest invention yet, cloning technology. Yeah. <laughs> he still fails to I'm, capture. Him I'm just that. thinking, actually, going back to round four. Would we say that Sawboss's love of traps is actually a weakness because he can't think he can't think outside of traps. Everything has to be in trap form. He doesn't he can't just be like, traps. I'm going to send some monster minds to kill Jace. Simple. Um, no, no. I have to lure him into a convoluted trap and involve a bounty hunter and some space pirates and a dark queen. And that's a pretty big things. weakness. That's the kind of like you know, if all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail kind of problem. Like he's just like, <laughs> all he's got is a trap. All, all I've got is traps. <laughs> And none of them work. <laughs> so yeah, like he, I think his other big low light as well probably has to be the constant. It, it's it's not one particular thing, but it's like the Lightning League are constantly going in to these special planets where Sawboss is trying to extract some particular resource. And for all we know, leaving them in a place where Sawboss can't go back, you know, like Gillian leaves a satellite defense system behind or they do, they rig up something that means the the, the monster mines cannot come back. So he, it's almost like a, a, I don't know, like a scorched earth kind of uh, thing happening from Jace is just like, he's fucking everything up so they can't circle back around and undo the good work Jace has done. I mean, he's definitely the Western Front, basically, in that that analogy, right? He's landed Mm -hmm. on the beaches and he's eating territory as he goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like, yeah, they're they're, they're literally, Jace is actively claiming back parts of the universe. So failing to, failing to maintain grips on part of the universe, which is being, you know, liberated by Jace is is a pretty big. And also, I, I would say that having Audric so close, like you say, so close, and then completely failing on two fronts. That's probably one of the bit like so far as as far as we've got into the 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 series. That's been his biggest failing. That's like where he was so close and fell so hard. Well, I mean, like in the in the very in the pilot episode, he you know him and Audric were like in the same room and he couldn't do the deal. He'd just <laughs> been born. He probably had some equilibrium. But issues. he came out, you know, like fully formed and like hench and ready to go in his cape, you know. And and presumably immediately evil because the first thing he started doing was conquering the galaxy. Yeah, he should have taken Audric out then, and we could yeah, all have I been mean, spared a lot of angst. Yeah, I guess that is a that is probably a big failing is not being as proactive as he should have been upon his birth. <laughs> Isn't that true of all of us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had a five year plan though. That's true. <laughs> like, and he's I mean, could you could you liken Sawboss to North Korea, like? In terms of you know he's he's got his kind of you godhood know, dictatorship yeah right? and he's yeah. you know he's probably got his propaganda is like no I've conquered all this and look how great I am he doesn't even need propaganda he can jump into your mind and tell you what you need to do <laughs> be like a, be a head TV I don't yeah. think he even needs propaganda because he is correct if he tells you that he's conquered the universe and he's great he has done that you know you can't Shit really argue own. with him they got to a <laughs> I'm a plant <laughs> yeah you're a plant. <laughs> I wondered why you've been sleeping in a bed of soil. <laughs> no, that's the vampire side. So you're a plant via um, plant, plant, no, can't make the pun. So this is a difficult one because they both are in essence kind of shit, which is why they make good comparisons. I don't know who comes... The killer tomatoes do actually lose though. I yeah, know, they like concretely they lose. They, they, yeah, and they actually... Jace, Jace is never never completely wound up, so Sawboss never definitively loses. Yeah. No, he manages to keep them apart at work. Yeah, yeah he, I think you know, it's, um, you know, it's he never similar. wins, but he never loses it's definitively. It's probably similar either. to the situation at the end of the original She-Ra series, which we've talked about before, where it's heavily implied that Hordak is continuing to rule Etheria. Like, you don't see it one way or the other, but the implication is that, yeah, he's still in charge of everything. Yeah, so do we do we say then this is what? Saw bosses, I think, monster yeah, mines, ten, ten, ten nine to the monster mines. I'd say, yeah, I would, I would agree. Which means we have a winner, unbelievably, the monster mines. As much as we ragged on how yeah. shit they are, when you compare them to other tomato, other vegetable-based villains, well, like you say, now we, we have to put them up against the triffids, definitely. Because oh, I would definitely watch the triffids. Yeah, yeah I, like, I think because the triffids are pretty fucking devastating. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking, do all the monster minds have eyes? They do, don't they? Yes, yeah. they do. Mm. So they could be blinded. Okay. But a terrific could be hiding in your garden right now and you wouldn't know. 
Because you'd be blind. Because yeah. that's one of the things the Triffids do. They blind. No, no, no. They don't know. The Comet or whatever it was blinded people. And then the Triffids took advantage because they'd always been there in your garden. <laughs> they, they they were patient and bided they their time. They played the really long game. Yeah. Plants, so Boston, you can't trust them. No, no. That's why we don't have any in the house. That's why we ate nothing but plants when we went out for a meal yesterday. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true, actually. That's it. Get your revenge. Go vegan. Are yeah. you doing your part? Yeah. We, <laughs> want to know more? Yeah. yeah, we went to the vegan junk food bar. Take that, sore boss. Take that, killer tomatoes. <laughs> so yes, um, the monster mines are slightly better than the killer What's tomatoes. The, score? The, the score was 67 to the monster mine, 65 to the <sighs> killer like, tomatoes. It's actually quite nice to have them win something, to be honest. <laughs> this might yeah. be their only victory. It, it yeah. probably will be, actually. I was going to say, well, they've conquered... I was going to say, oh, they, 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 they conquered the space pirates, but they were liberated. It's <laughs> like, they conquered the bounty of the liberated. You know, everything that they have done has been undone by Jace. something that can't be taken away from them by Jace. Yes. As far as we know. Yep. So there you go, guys. That has been our little face-off of the Monster Mines versus the Killer Tomatoes. Hope you enjoyed this little interlude. And when we come back next time, we'll be back with more Jace and the Wheel Watch long action. We've got... We'll be at the halfway point in our next episode. So, yay. <laughs> halfway there. We're almost there. <laughs> the story's progressing really nicely. Yeah. And after we've finished Jace, I think we're, I think we're pretty much all agreed that we're going to do Visionaries as a, a one-shot episode because there's so few episodes of it. And then probably follow on... In the cartoon ways with probably D and D, do we say? Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. like, I I want to talk about the moral panic side of that as well. Yeah, hope you guys have enjoyed the episode. Monster Minds, not as shit as we thought, but still pretty shit. And we'll be back next week with more Jace. Nice. Sorry, so, you looked at me like, oh, did I have anything to add? Well, any any. Don't final? forget our social media: Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr. Yeah, Protein Ramblings on all of them and ProteinRamblings.com. You can find all our episodes, descriptions, everything there. And yeah, enjoy. Yeah, well done remembering social media and promo promo shit because I'm terrible. (laughs) You're welcome. So yeah, we'll be back next week. And until next time, lightning strikes. Lightning strikes. Lightning strikes.